What is up, everybody? Welcome into Living Off the Land, episode 242. How we doing out there? I'm Dan, here with Steven, and it is Wednesday night. And you know what that means. Well, first of all, it means the Cavs win, because the Cavs always win on Wednesday, it seems. How about playing like complete poo for most of that game and still winning? Yeah, they did not do diddly-poo on offense in the first half of this game. They only had 33 points. The Cavs missed their first 14 threes of this game today. 14! Yeah. So we are just fresh off of watching the end of that game. That's why we are mentioning that. Uh, We'll get into a little bit more about the Cavaliers later in the episode. But we are going to get into the beer of the week to start things off. And got a beer here that... uh, has not been on the podcast yet. We've tried this brewery, uh, but we have not tried this beer yet. This is from Wolf's Ridge Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. And this is their winter lager, and it is called Impish Mm. or Admirable. Hmm. And if you are an Office fan, a fan of The Office, uh, you know that phrase. Let me read the description on the can here for Impish or Admirable. Inspired by the myth of Belschnickel, our pumpernickel lager is the perfect treat on a cold winter night. Smooth yet warming with hints of warm, dark bread and rye. Are you impish or admirable? This lager is easy drinking, but just cheeky enough to beg the question, cheer or fear? Impish indeed. So yeah, that's an interesting uh, tasting this before reading the description. I mean, it just says winter lager, but then... You read that description, a pumpernickel lager with uh, hints of warm, dark bread and rye. And it is very cheeky. It is a very interesting beer. I thought first first glance, first taste of it, it kind of tasted like a stout or a porter, but it's a lager. It's interesting. It's a winter lager. This is nothing like a Christmas ale. Um, it's very interesting. Take another. Let me take another go at it. Yeah, that's that is like unlike anything I've ever had before. Wow, that is very interesting. It 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 gives you hints of a stout, but it's not. Wow, hmm. I am like perplexed right now. Hmm. Yeah. I've never drank a beer like this before. This is very interesting. Impish or admirable. 5.2% alcohol by volume. 18 IBUs. Uh, proudly brewed and packaged by Wolf's Ridge Brewing from Columbus, Ohio, is where their production operation is. Wolf's, Wolf'sRidgeBrewing.com. And uh, if you have a chance, if you're listening to us and you're from Columbus or you go to Columbus uh, often, or maybe you are planning a trip to Columbus for the first time in a long time, uh, definitely check out Wolf's Ridge. It is a really cool spot uh, right in the heart of downtown, uh, just outside the arena district down there in Columbus. Um, I was there a couple months ago uh, when uh, when I went down to Columbus for my first Blue Jackets game. Uh, they got blanked for nothing, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is. Let me let me get one more go at it. Yeah, wow, interesting. It is very good, but I I I don't really have anything to compare this to. Wow, interesting. I keep saying wow. I just I'm I'm like. If you have WoW on your bingo card, it has been covered many times. I am, like, stumped, and this isn't in a bad way. I just, I've never had a beer like this before. Um, Yeah, if you've had Wolf, if you've had this uh, from Wolf's Ridge before, let me know uh, on a tweet or a DM or something because, man, this is very good. I'm going to go ahead and rate this a 7.3 mm-hmm. on the Dan scale. 
uh, for the beer of the week. So 7.3 for Impish or Admirable from Wolfsbridge Brewing, a winter lager. And, uh, yeah, you should try this because it's, it's very interesting and it's it's pretty good. So that is the beer of the week. All righty then. Um, as we said, this is a Cavs theme episode, and that theme extends to better know a neighborhood, and perhaps not in the way you would expect. But uh, after Donovan Mitchell's epic 71-point performance on Monday night, I just had to pick a community that was along I-71 in honor of that. And oddly enough, I've hit just about every community on I-71 on, on I between Cleveland and Medina already. So that's going to force us to go even a little bit further out down I-71. And tonight we are going a little bit to the southwest of Medina, probably about an hour or just under an hour from downtown Cleveland. I'm talking about the city of Ashland, Ohio. Ooh, Ashland. Ashland is in north-central Ohio. It's, uh, again, southwest of Medina uh, or to the southeast of Norwalk and to the northeast of Mansfield. It is a town of about 25,000 people. It's home to Ashland University and is home to lots of uh, nice places to go and see. Um, just talking about it from a uh, from a residential standpoint, Ashland is mostly, I would say, working class to middle class. Average home price is about $170,000. Um, Ashland University, as I just mentioned, is on the near southwest side of the city. And is uh, is a small private college. Um, one of our good f- uh, friends from years ago, actually Holly Dunn, actually went there. Um, I had something right here, but I just I, I think I lost it there. But uh, continuing on, um, there's a couple of nice places to check out here once you get into the the center of town. Um, in terms of local businesses, the downtown's actually pretty nice looking. Lots of quaint old buildings, like you like you see in. A lot of the uh, more rurally type communities in, in within the state of Ohio. Um, one place I want to mention is O'Brien's Pub. This is at 1065 Claremont Avenue in Ashland, and this is a traditional Irish pub. At least that's the way they build themselves. And oddly enough, some of the reviews there say that their their food menu is actually a little bit more varied than that. Uh, apparently, their French onion soup is really good, uh, and apparently their they have a chorizo burger that is supposedly amazing as well. Uh, this place is 4.6 star rated on Google and is actually the service is very good and the and the uh, prices are actually quite affordable. That's something you'll find when you when you get a little bit outside of Cuyahoga County and outside Greater Cleveland. Um, price levels at some of the the restaurants and even some of the quick service eateries are not as high as what you would expect it, it to find in Cleveland uh, and some of the surrounding communities, particularly. I mean, not to say anything about this, but earlier tonight I was actually driving the lift car around, and I I stopped for food in Mayfield. I may have to stop doing that because that, I've done that twice in the last two months, and I've gone to two quick service eateries, and I've paid 15 and 20 bucks for a meal. Oh, my God. Where? Yeah. Uh, on Som Center Road. No names, Road please? May- yeah, on Som Center Road in Mayfield, I'll just say. Gee, so, one's got to be Chick-fil-A. Wh- wh- you know, and we've talked about the uppity – suburbs quite a bit in recent weeks you know places like mayfield solon pepper pike you know i'm talking about that east side corridor there but <laughs> yeah you go to a place like that in ashland you're probably gonna be paying like 30 to 40 percent less just saying um another place i want to mention is Uniontown brewing company this is a microbrewery and brew pub it is at 105 right downtown 105 west main street in ashland and this place is your traditional american um Lots of great um, beers that they make on site there. Uh, the Jupiter Burger, which um, that sounds very interesting. That, that must be a really huge burger, I'm guessing, if they're calling it the Jupiter Burger, uh, is is a uh, is a specialty. Um, they do a really they do a, a house uh, fish and chips also, which is also pretty cool. Uh, and uh, they have some good barbecue there too, according to the reviews. Oddly enough. So uh, that's right downtown. Again, 105 West Main Street. That is Uniontown Brewing Company. As you get back toward I-71 on the east side of town, there's a place I have to mention because every time I stop or every time I go by on 71, I swear I'm going to go to this place one time, and I I just haven't up to this point. 
This place is called Grandpa's Cheese Barn and Sweetie's mm. Chocolates. This is a repurposed barn that is has been basically made into like an old style general rural general store type place. Uh, the ultimate mom and pop kind of shop. And as one of the reviews says, unexpected stop on I-71 has become a destination for many, reminiscent of a small-town farmer's market offering nostalgia, homemade candies, fudge, jams, spreads, meats, tons of cheeses, snacks, gifts, and much more. Atmosphere is friendly, very kid-friendly. Um, tons of free samples as well if you go on certain days, particularly on Saturday. Full cafe that will make fresh sandwiches as well. So... And then, of course, it's it's Pichu's favorite spot in all of Ohio because you have every type of cheese imaginable in this place. Um, so, Grandpa's Cheese Bone and Sweetie's Chocolates, that's at 668 U.S. 250 in Ashland, right uh, near the intersection of Route 250 and I-71. Definitely a place to check out if you're ever traveling through the area. And I, I should take my own advice on that because it's... 4.8 star rated on Google. It seems like just about everybody who's ever been there says it's great. So having not spent a whole lot of time in this town personally, I mean, those are some of the main sites. Uh, most of the remainder of the city is residential. There is a bit of parkland over on the northwest side of town. In fact, Brookside Golf Course is over there. I Just doing my research, I didn't really find too much about it, but it looks pretty nice just from the from the photos um shout out just on the other side of the street there is a, a local business called mitchell and sons moving that's a company that um when i used to work at fisher titus in norwalk we actually used them to move uh hospital and uh medicine equipment so uh shout out mitchell and sons and that just about covers it so uh that is ashland that is Another town along I-71 in honor of Donovan Mitchell's 71-point performance two nights ago, and you can wham that with Boys. the right hand. <clears throat> Speaking of Donovan, he he sure as hell whammed it uh, the other night. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the Cavs, obviously, uh, the week that was. But um, I'd be remiss if if we didn't um, first of all um, send our thoughts and prayers to. Uh, Damar Hamlin, safety from the Buffalo Bills and his family. Absolutely just tragic event that happened on Monday Night Football on Monday. I mean, by now, if you don't know what happened by now, um, you obviously don't pay attention to the world of sports. Um, and that's not just the sports world. That that was literally the lead on the national news last night, which you don't see yeah. that as sports stories transcending across society like that, like this very often. So if you don't know, uh, Monday Night Football, a pretty innocuous um, hit and tackle uh, in the middle of the first quarter uh, between T. Higgins, who was the ball carrier, and Damar Hamilton, who was the defender, um, it it was a normal play, and it's interesting. They went to the ground, and Demar Hamilton got up, and then he like took one step, and then just collapsed. Like literally, the life left his body, and his body couldn't stand up for itself anymore, and he just collapsed to the ground. Um, we understand that he went into cardiac arrest. Uh, right there apparently everything I've heard of was he got hit at the exact millisecond that it would take to essentially just shut your heart down um Komodo Komodo Cordis I think is what it's called is what's being floated out there is what happened um I, I saw today and I shared with you guys that uh doctors have basically put the odds of this happening at 1 in 264 million which you came back and said that's basically the same odds of you winning the lottery. Yeah, it's it's just barely more than the odds of you winning the Powerball or the Mega Millions. Um and it's interesting you mentioned Camilla Cordis cuz the first time I heard about that it was in a movie I watched called Age of Adeline. In that particular film the main character got struck by lightning and it happened right at that exact moment so instead of her getting killed her body stopped aging which is the plot line of the movie i don't know if that would actually happen in real life but that was the, that would not the, happen the in real plot life. line but you know it was may sorry segue um so yeah he he was down obviously 
and uh, they had to bring an ambulance out. Uh, they had to administer CPR and the use of an AED defibrillator. Um, I just want to say, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of discourse on social media, as there always seems to be, uh, regarding uh, ESPN's coverage, um, the fact that it took the NFL about like an hour and a half to postpone to officially postpone the game for the night. Um, the only thing I want to hear being talked about is the absolute heroes that were on the field, that being the medical staff, uh, that quite literally saved this kid's life. Yeah. Quite. They did. Literally. Because it, it said, and, you know, if you've been paying attention to the story, you've heard this ad nauseum, that when you go into cardiac arrest, you're you basically have about four minutes until you start suffering some very severe brain damage. That's right. Oxygen um, can't get to the brain. Yeah, so. no blood flow and no oxygen going to the brain. Uh, the brain is the most fragile part of the human body, and you've got about four. You've got about four minutes when that happens. So, supposedly they were able to uh, jumpstart his heart, and he uh, almost right away. Once I got. Uh, the defibrillator on him and uh, got him into an ambulance and got him to the hospital. He is said to still be in critical condition in the ICU at the University of Cincinnati's Medical Center. Um, they, the report, latest reports that I saw this afternoon were that doctors have been uh, pleased with some of the progress that he's made. He's, he's fully sedated, uh, so he's essentially in a medically induced coma. Uh, which they say that they like to do because, and again, I'm saying all this stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm just repeating the reports that they say that they like to do so the patient doesn't isn't fighting on his own to try and uh, to try and fight this. Uh, but you know, when they sedate the patient, it gives the doctors full control of being able to uh, help the person, um, you know, basically stay alive. So. Uh, he was on a he is I believe still on a ventilator. Um, I guess they've seen progress of him being able to breathe a little bit more on his own. Um, he went from a hundred percent having to take a hundred percent oxygen from a ventilator to fifty percent now, and um, they they believe he's making progress, which is amazing because I mean just how incredibly. It's already absolutely tragic, but for a 24-year-old, uh, we assume, fully healthy player to essentially suffer that of a chance of a hit to the exact portion of the body at the exact millisecond to essentially take his life. I mean, like I said, it was a pretty innocuous hit. It was a play you see all the time where the receiver catches the ball and he's trying to fight for extra yardage. He puts his shoulder down into the defender. I mean, I, this is another thing about social media. I, T. Higgins, who's the, who's the receiver? He was the guy that actually hit uh, Hamlin. Mm-hmm. He was receiving, like, death threats. Like, why? Yeah. I, you think he meant to try to kill the guy? No. Where, where are we in society today where... That sort of crap happens. It's embarrassing. Um, again, the only thing I want to see on social media is hopefully the continued uh, positive reports on Hamlin's um, condition and just absolute praise for the heroic efforts for um, these uh, uh, medical personnel that are at the stadium. You know what's interesting is uh, I watched a video of a doctor who was doing an interview relating to this, and he basically said there are two places more than anything else where if you're going to suffer a heart attack or cardiac arrest, there are two places where you absolutely would want it to happen. A hospital, obviously, or an NFL football field. Because the best, for sure. The NFL, because they have those life-saving – Devices. Elements and devices yeah. there to be able to save you. Yeah. Um. So that's you know it's crazy and it's awesome that he was able to get the help right away and it looks like you know as we continue to you know think and pray about Demar and his family, 
it looks like that they saved his life. That's what it appears. The fact that he is now starting to breathe on his own again is a very good sign. And I'm sure that, you know, once we get another couple of updates, he'll make other progress and he's yeah. going to come out of this. And it, it just, man, when it happened and I saw him and I saw him collapse, the first thing I thought of was Christian Erickson in the Euros last summer. Yeah. Well, not very this past similar. Summer, the year very similar incident. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, man, I could not believe, you know, these football players and, you know, any professional athlete, really, I mean, you, especially during the season, you spend more time with your teammates than you do your own family. So, to pretty much everybody on that team, DeMar Hamlin is like their brother. Yeah, pretty much. And to see the faces on some of these players when, when they saw that they were administering CPR and they realize like, Oh my God, this is life and death. Like what, what is going on? You've never seen this on a football field before. Yeah. None of those guys. So to, man, to see their faces, guys, just, just, just crying their eyes out and just in complete shock. I mean, there was no chance of that game being restarted that night. Have we ever seen the NFL postpone a game because of a player injury before? I don't think so. Even when the the thing that I most thought of um, was when Ryan Shazier was essentially paralyzed on a hit on the field. Uh, this would this would have been what like seven eight years ago now. Yeah, two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Um, and that that was another situation where the ambulance is brought out. Um, and you know, there's you know we've gotten so desensitized to and obviously this was a life or death like this wasn't like an injury this is like a tragic catastrophic event that happened yeah but like we've been so desensitized to uh like guys when they break break bones or tear acls or achilles and you know it's to the point that we're just like oh well that sucks but you know he's going to make a complete recovery and we'll you know we'll see him back on the field and a lot of times, like for head injuries and stuff, when guys are stretchered off, a lot of times you will see like the thumbs up from the guy as he's being like carried off. Like, yep. hey, I'm alive. I'm okay. Uh-huh. There was no chance of us getting that in, the, in that situation on Monday night. No. Um, it's just incredible. Um, and, you know, like I said, continue prayers to him that uh, he's able to make a recovery, even if he's never able to play football again. Just so he's able to live a normal life right. the rest of his life. I mean, he's 24 years old, mm. and he went into cardiac arrest. That's just crazy. Um, 24? Wow. Another thing that I wanted to mention was he had a GoFundMe for a toy drive. Yeah, that, his foundation does yes. does toy drives every year at the holidays. They had a pretty meager goal of $2,500. Mm. Um, that day, the goal was right around 10,000, I think. So they had already met their goal and went above it. But um, when this happened, I, I, I don't know who posted the actual GoFundMe on, on social media, but it, it's been two two days. Yeah. Uh, that GoFundMe is over $6 million. It was like $4.8 million on the, yes, at some point yesterday. Yeah, it's over they, six now. Yeah. That's incredible. And we know the bills to be – very, very charitable. Now, I get on here when we talk about the Bills, and I talk about how I don't like them, and, you know, I have my reasons, whatever. But uh, the Bills have always been very charitable. I remember when uh, when they played the, Bengal the Bengals in the playoffs one year, and Andy Dalton, I can't remember what happened. He threw, like, a pick six or something, or he got hurt during the game or something like that. And Bills fans, like, donated to his charity the next day, like the most amount of donations the charity's ever gotten. That's such a classy move. Yeah, and they've done that numerous times. And uh, and it, it, and this time it wasn't just obviously Bills fans. It was like everybody. You know, it's a really cool story about that was uh, Chris Jericho, AEW wrestler, donated $5,000. What was funny was he misspelled his name on the donation. Hmm. He, misspelled, he said C-H-R-U-S Jericho. And somebody on social media pointed it out to him, like tweeted at him, be like, hey, you misspelled your name. And instead of just like going back and like, you know, getting them to change his name, fix the spelling, yeah. he just donated another $5,000 to get it and, and spelled his name correctly. <laughs> so he donated $10,000. So that's, that was really cool. 
Um, he, you know, that's such a cool thing. Chris is such a cool guy, I'm sure. And, you know, he probably did that with the intention of doing that because somebody was going to correct him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just thought it would be <clears> – I just thought it would be wrong if we didn't acknowledge it and uh, didn't uh, send along our well wishes uh, to him and his family and uh, the Buffalo Bills organization because um, I know that – I know that they're hurting right now, and uh, but uh, from all accounts, it uh, it looks like he's from all accounts he's going to survive this. I hope. Um, so, ho- hoping and praying for continued positive uh, reports on his condition. Definitely. Well, we were going to talk about this one regardless, but that does keep with the seventy-one theme that we're going with. Now. Why is that? 71? Cincinnati. Ball ah. Stadium right by I-71 uh, yes. as well. Well, well let's turn around and uh let's uh let's take let's take seventy one as it turns to the Cavs final score tonight of ninety and get mm-hmm. off. And get off and uh let's go over to the Romo Fijo. And let's talk about the week that was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, so we've gone across the inner belt. To the Romo Fijo, and we actually had to cover kind of a lot of distance here because this um, we didn't have a show last week. So the the over the holiday period wasn't really so great for the Cavs, and all in all honesty, that period started when they played the Raptors on Friday the twenty third. That was the day where we had the ridiculous negative. Five degrees and negative thirty wind chill. Oh, you mean when I didn't have um, any heat? <laughs> wishing that they, you know, had just canceled this game in the first place. Uh, the Cavaliers yeah. are now zero and three against the Raptors this season. Yikes. They they lost that game one eighteen to one hundred seven. After that, Brooklyn. Thank God. By the way, uh, sorry, not to mean to keep you. Off. Thank Thank God that that team stinks, and we probably won't see them in the playoffs. Yeah, is that like a matchup problem, or is like when we lost two games in Toronto? I was like, okay, fine. Both games are on the road. When they come to Cleveland, we'll get our revenge. Well, we didn't. And it's like, huh, what the heck's going on here? Uh, and then Brooklyn came in, and Brooklyn is on an absolute tear right now. Um, Cavs put up a bunch of resistance in this game, but they ultimately lost it, 125-117. Then they went to Indianapolis and got beat by the Pacers, giving up 135 points in the process. And you're starting to think, oh, geez, this is starting to go awry here. That Pacers loss was bad. I mean, the Pacers aren't 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 a bad basketball team, but it was just a bad bad loss the way that that game ended up playing out. Anytime you give up 135 points, that's bad. Yeah, well, we've done that a few times over the last week. So the Cavaliers lost the first three games in this stretch, and you're thinking, you know, okay, next game's at Chicago. Actually, the next two games are against the Bulls. I believe that was on Christmas or uh, New Year's Eve too. Yeah, New Year's Eve was the was the first one of those, and then uh, this past Monday was the second one, and and then you throw in this game tonight against Phoenix, and as it turns out, the Cavaliers did the absolute minimum necessary to win these games, but they did. Yeah, it, they won the first game by one point, the last game by two points, and the, the game in the middle, they won in overtime, where. The Cavaliers have been absolutely stellar this season. They are 6-0 and in yep. overtime games this season. So yeah. the game goes to overtime. The other team might as well just get on the bus. They're just not going to win. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It also it also helps when you got a guy in your team that scores 71 points. <laughs> Unreal. There's only six other guys in NBA history that have done that. Six. Six? Six. Yeah, so... If I remember correctly, Will Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, yeah. David Thompson. Yep. You mean David Robinson? David Robinson. They, well, David Thompson actually did too. I, I don't even know who David Thompson had is. At 71. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. And, yeah, David Robinson obviously was another. And I, I can't remember who the other one was. But it was not Devin Booker. He had George 70. Gervin, wasn't it? That's what I thought, but oh, no. apparently it's not George Gervin. Well, maybe it is, but Mike told me. Your brother, I, we were texting about this last night, and you, your brother said, no, it wasn't George Gervin. So, but be that as it may. Elgin Baylor? Uh, yes. I think it was Elgin Baylor. 
you know, so this is really is a who's who of like the the greatest of all time. Devin Booker who have done this. Devin Booker uh, scored seventy. He didn't score seventy one. He was one away. So he's in the top ten of of all time with that. Yeah, I mean that it's just speed. Not only was it seventy one points, he had eleven assists. That's the only time that that's happened in NBA that's history. Somebody else that seventy points. And you've 10 had ten plus. in another category. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wilt had one hundred and twenty-five rebounds. Oh, so rebounds has been done, but assists has not. Assists has not. Uh, Donovan Mitchell accounted for ninety-nine points in that game. Yeah, because when you think, you think about it, if you're scoring seventy, how many other points are there to go by for the rest of the team? Now, the Cavs scored one forty-five, and the game was overtime, so this was a very high-scoring game, obviously. But to still get ten assists despite scoring all those baskets is is remarkable and perhaps because of this Herculean effort you watch Donovan Mitchell play tonight against Phoenix particularly in the fourth quarter he did not look like himself he looked tired he looked like he just needed to curl up with a blanket and go to yeah. sleep the he, whole how team many times did, did he really slip and fall down Outs- like two or three times yeah <laughs> outside of Karis LeVert everybody on the team looked like that hmm. I mean Donovan Mitchell like be because he's the MVP well, maybe that candidate. Neto guy too. Oh, Raul Neto played a good played a good game. Um, he was very Delhi esque tonight. Um, but you know, Mitchell made some plays at the end. How you know most MVP candidates do. But if Karis LeVert doesn't play like he did tonight, uh, the Cavs don't even get. Uh, quite frankly, the Cavs probably don't even score seventy five points. Oh no, the guy was excellent, particularly most all the second half, and actually. You saw some other guys, you know, not even your top guys step up tonight. Chetty Osman hit some big shots. Kevin Love wasn't hitting shots, but he made several huge hustle plays. A couple plays hustle plays, yeah. To, to uh, keep possessions alive or, or take the ball. And then uh, a guy who may have played his worst game offensively as a NBA player hits the game-winning shot with four seconds left. Evan Mobley. Evan who, Mobley. A seven I said this I said this when we were watching the replay. A seven footer on a C cut with a to a jump shot at the elbow. You know, this was almost just like Machiavellian by JB Bickerstaff, if this is how they drew it up. Because you take a guy who has done absolutely nothing all night and say, We're going to you in this situation. Yeah. And Phoenix didn't even bother to guard him on the final possession. <laughs> you don't put a guy on him, he'll hurt you bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean like there's no way he's well, gonna I mean, get the ball. They probably they, that and they probably figured he hasn't made a shot all night. He's probably he's gonna, gonna miss anyway. <laughs> But he didn't, so that's not me. I mean, I'm giving, I'm going to give Mobley credit for that play, but boy, did he look like he was wearing a blindfold the rest of the game. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. But, you know, the kid's still 21 years old. You're going to have nights like that. And he's just back from injury. He's probably still not 100%. So, um, yeah, Cavs did get all that with everybody slumping. No Darius Garland. Evan Mobley just back in the fold. This team, especially at home, is so damn near impossible to beat. It's insane. They're now eighteen eight, and four. They're now, now eighteen and four, and uh, their a couple most of recent... those losses at home were just like inexplicable. Yeah, like, the Raptors to... won especially. Um, there was one before that where I think it was at Sacramento came in. Well, yeah, we lost to Sacramento. Lost, you know, and the uh, other was Minnesota. So those are all Minnesota. Those were definitely teams. I mean, Sacramento's having a decent year, I guess. But these are not teams you would expect to come in and win. Now, Brooklyn was the fourth one. Brooklyn is just white hot right now. They've It says their last 10 is 10-0. and 0. I don't know exactly how long their win streak is. It might be longer than 10. But uh, it's a good segue into the uh, to the standings here. The Celtics are in first place at 26-12. Brooklyn is in second, a half game behind them at 25-12. and 12. Then you got the Bucks and the Cavaliers, uh, both a game and a half down. The Bucks are ahead on percentage points as they played two fewer games. So it's pretty congested uh, near the top of the Eastern Conference standings. Only a game and a half separating first from fourth at this point. After you go behind that, the 76ers, the Pacers, the Heat, and the Knicks are your top eight at the moment. The Knicks and the Heat are both 20 and 18. Quite a uh, four and a half games behind Cleveland. So... Things are getting, things are definitely heating up. I mean, Brooklyn. We were talking about them being a laughing stock in the first month of the season. They have just absolutely just come out and yeah, smacking teams around. I mean, ever since they fired Steve Nash and uh, hired Jock Vaughn, I mean, they've really they've really responded. 
Who would have thought that we they would have gone from one of the best guards to maybe one of the best passing guards that ever played the game to a guy who's getting run who's running over ball boys in the lane? You know? Shout out Mike Temple, <laughs> and he's the one who's got the magic touch. I mean, go figure that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. By the way, quickly, just looking out to the Western Conference, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies are tied at 24 and 13 atop the West. The Pelicans are in third place at 23 and 14. The so, Pelicans! Only two teams out West have a better record than the Cavaliers do right now. And you look at the standings, what's remarkable to me is that nobody's really like running away from the pack at the top. Like, yeah. every for every team to have at least 12 defeats at this point in the season is pretty strange. You'd think there would be at least one or two teams that would be like 30 and 6 or yeah. 33 and 8 or something like that, but we haven't, we haven't right. seen that. So this, as far as the NBA title race goes, completely wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. If it wasn't for the Cavaliers' propensity to – see, here's the thing I don't like about the Cavs right now. They're just getting by on lollygagging through the first two and a half quarters and then pulling games out at the end. I don't think they can have sustained success continuing to do that. I think they got to play better in the first half yeah, eventually. I, I mean, also remember that uh, their all-star point guard has missed the last three games. That's obviously been a factor. It's actually rather remarkable considering that they've won all three of those games. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but, you know. It's taken a really scrappy effort, uh, a absolutely Herculean effort, <laughs> and I don't. I I didn't watch a second of the the Bulls game in Chicago, but I don't know what happened there. I just know we won by one point. That game must have had horrendous television ratings. Oh yeah, Be, being on New Year's Eve oh, and New up Year's against Eve the Buckeye game and the playoff. Too. Yeah, the NCAA playoff. Which, by the way, talk about. Talk about a duck hook. Could you have had two better games than we had? Oh, we've pretty ne- much. They've, they, they've never had good games in the semifinals ever in the in the playoff. Basically, there's been a lot of clunkers. I mean, the Ohio State's win over Alabama in the first year was probably the best game that there had ever been in the semifinal round before yeah. this weekend. And then Ohio State also uh, beat Clemson pretty badly a couple years ago. In mm-hmm. order to get to the national title game, which they got schlacked by Alabama. Yeah, that was the ultimate revenge game because Ohio State got blatantly screwed got against Clemson the year screwed. before that. Rude! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, guy takes like eleven steps and then fumbles the ball, not, and they don't call it a fumble. I'm not even an Ohio State fan, and I don't think I was more riled up about a game in the last probably four years than that one. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, not good ratings, I'm sure, for that game. But, uh, yeah, the Cavs just keep plugging away. Uh, they are, what, on a 52-win like pace, I think, right now? It's 25-14, and 14, so, 51, yeah, they, 51, they'll put 52. them 50-28, and 28, so they'd be 52 or 53 wins right now. Yeah, They've kind of oscillated between 50 and 55 for most of the last month. So yeah. if, they, if they do that, I mean, it looks like they've – I mean, unless if – I mean, the only team that's behind them that I could see – Getting over that win total might be Philly. They're twenty-two and fourteen. I don't see anybody else below that doing that. I mean, Miami was the top seed last year. They just don't seem to have it. I mean, they could have a blistering second half. But I mean, they have to go like thirty-two and nine or something like that. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, do I'm that. not really. I'm not really so, concerned with that. But uh, so yeah, I mean, bottom line is, if the Cavs keep winning at this pace, they're going to have a top four seed. They're going to be playing home field advantage most likely in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and that's going to be a fun time. Uh, okay, so that was the week that was with the Cavaliers. Um, what do they have coming up next week? If you look ahead, there's a big trip coming up after tonight. The Cavaliers play five games out west. They start oh, it's the January rodeo. They trip. start in the in the mountains. Or they Disney play on ice, whatever the hell comes the, in. Yeah, the Disney on ice trip. They yep. they uh they go to Denver, then Phoenix, then Salt Lake City before going to Portland and then finishing in Minneapolis. Oh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Donovan Mitchell going back to the Jazz. Yeah, that's uh, this coming the Tuesday, actually. The jazz. Yeah, and a timeout called by the Jazz. <laughs> the great Dick Stockton. That's right. Shout out. Uh, yeah, so, okay. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the Browns, obviously. 
the last game of the season coming up. It really doesn't mean anything for the Browns. Oh, but it means a lot. It does. Well, A, it would give you a chance to sweep Pittsburgh, which would be awesome. This is true. B, because the Steelers are the ultimate cockroaches that you just cannot kill, yep. they still technically have a shot at the playoffs. Yep. And they still have a chance to extend Mike Tomlin's record of not having a losing season in his tenure as Steelers coach. That might be the most amazing record of all that we just mentioned. Like, yeah, how? Especially in the world? NFL. I mean, li- the league literally stands for not for long. And this guy, I mean, doesn't apply to Pittsburgh. They've only had what three coaches in the last over thirty years since like more than that since like nineteen. I mean, it was Chuck Knoll, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. That's yeah. it, right? Chuck Knoll was the was the was their coach in in like wasn't he their coach in the seventies? Yeah, back when the steel curtain was around. Yeah. They don't. Jeez. They don't get rid of coaches in Pittsburgh. No, and we're they're one of the best. <coughs> I can't. I can't say that. I can't bring myself to say that. Never mind. So, uh, so the Browns have the ability, like they did with the. Hold on, they they actually had practice at this because they say, "Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Washington." This past week, yeah, by beating the Commanders, and the Commanders had some other results go against them, so they are out of the playoff race. So the Browns have the chance to do that to the Steelers now too, which would be great. And the hope is, is that correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Browns played their most complete game of the season last Sunday. The second half was probably the best half of football they played. Well, other than maybe the first Cincinnati game, I can't say they played a whole, that they played a complete game of football. The first Cincinnati game, you can make an argument was better. But that's it. I I've never I I I can't remember the last time that they played a half that poor. I mean, the first half of that game against Washington rivaled the Houston game. It was not good. It was horrible. And we talked about it on the post game show. They were only down by four points. I mean, right. I understand that, but like they couldn't have played worse on offense. Except Nick Chubb ran the ball pretty well, but they would have only been down one if Stefanski hadn't taken the field goal off the board. <laughs> Don't bring that up. <laughs> and then they give up a twenty-one play drive, uh, which took up twelve minutes of game time in, the, in right before halftime. Uh, blackjack. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'll stay. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. I guess I'll I'll walk back what I said with this game doesn't really mean anything. It definitely means something. Sweeping the Steelers would be something. Um I shudder to even ask the last time the Browns did that. It's been since the eighties. <laughs> um the new the the new reincarnation of the Browns have Oh wait. Wait, 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 wait. Two thousand three? Did they do it? No, it wouldn't have been 2003. It would have to have been 2002. That was the last time they won in Pittsburgh prior to 2020, I think. I think we might have done it in 02. I'm trying to think. I mean, we lost them in the playoffs, so we didn't uh, – we swept them in the – I don't know. I I don't know off the top of my head, so I'm not even going to guess. But Mm. it's been a long – it's been at least two decades, I'll say that. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. And I would love to be able to say this to their playoff chances. Bastard. <laughs> this. Did you not get that? Hold on. Yeah, so... That guy was a Washington announcer, was he not? Yeah, the Washington Capitals play-by-play announcer. That was in the Eastern Conference Finals of... uh, NHL. NHL. uh, 2018? 17? Something like that. The year... uh, 2018, actually. I think that was the year the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So... That guy's probably bumming right now with the Commanders getting knocked out. Yeah, so it would be pretty great if uh, the Browns could do that to the Steelers. Um, Because the Steelers... They can't get in just by winning. They need the Patriots and the Dolphins to lose, which... Patriots losing is pretty likely, 
given that they're playing at Buffalo. Yeah, the only thing that I think is uh, very hard for me to see Buffalo losing in the circumstances. I mean, unless that they're just like, no. I mean, they're they're going to win this game for Hamlin. See, I don't even know if they want to play. I'll say this: if if we get word before the game that uh, they've taken him off of a ventilator and you know the doctors say that he's going to live. Then okay, yeah, I could see that. But if he, if they're still, like, you know, on the balance of whether or not you know he's going to make a recovery or not, I don't know how those Bills players can focus on playing football. And you know that the that the Patriots are going to be playing with every motivation in the world playing because they need to, they need to win to get in the playoffs. Yeah, the hoodie's not going to care, and they don't need help. They win, they're in. So, I mean, that's true. You'd, you'd like to be where the Patriots are in the win-and-in situation. Yeah. That matchup is daunting, though. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. about, that's about the worst place you'd have to play in a win-and-in situation. That's the true. whole league, practically. That's true. But, but um, then, I mean, Belichick, the game, has, Belichick has won in that building plenty, though. The other game is Miami, which uh, Miami and the Jets. The, Jets, the, the, the Jets haven't won since Halloween, it seems. And Miami has the Dolphins. Same thing with Miami. I was going to say, like, they're, they're going to be something's st- got to give. Miami's going to be starting a guy named Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Good night. I don't care who they're playing. They're going to lose. I disagree. Day. The Jets can't beat anybody right now either. Neither can the Dolphins. So. I expect the Jets to win that game. Preview handily. for our point spread picks this week. <laughs> I expect the Jets to win that game pretty handily, to be honest with you. Um, here's what I really wanted to get into, though. The game on Monday night. Are they going to replay that game? I don't and think if they so, have a choice. I think they have to. And if so, how are they going to do it? Let's look at it from a practical standpoint, first of all. If they don't replay this game, Kansas City clinches the one seed in the AFC. With a win. Right. Which you, I don't know who they're playing against. But I have no idea. Either the Raiders or the Broncos or, or Chargers. Um, but anyway, most likely the Chiefs would, would clinch the one seed. The Bengals would clinch the AFC North. This week wouldn't even matter practically. You know, as far as they're concerned, the Ravens well, would be relegated to the wild card. Yeah. Well, then it 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 the two and the three seed would also be in flux. Right. Which I mean, unless that's the spot where the Bengals would not be helped. They would they would be stuck third, and yeah. they would need the Patriots to beat, to Buffalo. beat Buffalo. So I mean, I guess that could happen, but I mean, I'm not expecting it. So. Here's the reason why that I think that they need to explore every single opportunity to replay this game. Right now, the Bills uh, control their own destiny. If you don't play this game, you take that from them. Yeah. They didn't do anything. It's not right. Yeah. The only issue is we're so late in the season. How are you going to make that game up? The NFL has already said Week 18 slate is going on as scheduled. So Cincinnati is playing Baltimore at 1 o'clock on Sunday. So that basically means that their only option to replay this game is to push back the wild card round of the playoffs, which they could do because they have an open week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the only way that this game is going to be played is if the NFL decides to push back the playoffs up until the Super Bowl. And – if that's what it comes to, that versus, you know, just, you know, giving Kansas, just locking in these teams into their seating by default, which I don't like because, again, Buffalo, if they win their last two games, they would be the one seed. Yeah. And, and if so, Cincinnati, think about Cincinnati, too. If they win that game, what if Kansas City trips up in the last week? The Bengals could be the one seed. Yeah. So I, what I thought was interesting was what if there's a scenario where they cancel that game? And then you have the Chiefs and the Bills playing each other in the AFC Championship game. And that game comes down to the wire. And home field advantage means something in the NFL. So, And the Chiefs pull out a late win. I mean, More but, or less what they did a year ago. I mean, Bills fans would have every, every right to march on Park Avenue. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely would. They have to figure out a way to play this game. Yeah, they have to do it. And... Truly, 
I think they are waiting for the best possible news on DeMar Hamlin to announce that they're going to do this. I, I think that's the right thing to I do, I don't too. think that they can say, okay, we're well, they, they their hand might be forced because – that news may not to come me, before Sunday. To me, I think you have to. They have to make that move before Sunday. Oh and yeah, so the teams know the what's going to happen. Know. Yes, one hundred percent. And another interesting thing I thought of was, what if, and the NFL is not going to do this because they've already said Week 18 is going on as scheduled. What if, so they do move the playoffs back. What if they only have the NFC play this week? Give all AFC teams that you figure out the NFC stuff this week. Mm-hmm. Figure out the seedings. Everybody in the AFC gets a bye this week. And again, this isn't going to happen because the NFL has already announced. And have double wild card weekend, basically. And have AFC play next week. So effectively, the AFC teams would have a bye before the wild card round. You make the NFC teams play, then the teams that win would get a bye before the divisional round on their side of the bracket. Yeah. That would actually make a lot of sense because that would mean that the NFL could have three games on those two Sundays. They wouldn't have to play on Saturday like the only, they usually do. The only thing is, uh, well, I mean, are every are every week 18 games interdivision? They're inside the division, yes. Okay, because the, 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 the only thing that would mess that up is if, like, an AFC team was playing an NFC team in week 18. Yeah, no, but that's, that's not, not the case. So I would. that's what I would do, to be honest with you. Is that Buffalo Kansas or that Buffalo Cincinnati game means so much, and the NFL really wants it so uh, teams are playing. They would be playing that game on the same weekend as the three wild card games in the yes. NFC. No, 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 no. Right? No. No. You push the whole playoffs back. Oh, the whole playoff. Week eighteen, you just play NFC. The week that was pushed back, you just play the AFC games. Regular season or playoffs? Regular season. There will be no a- – all AFC teams will get a bye oh, this week. Oh, so you're saying don't play any AFC games this week. Yes. You can't play playoff games and regular season games at the same well, week. The, well, the problem then would be that Cincinnati and Buffalo would have to play twice what do in you the same weekend then. What? If you're saying that no AFC games are played this week – then so they're all going to play next week, right? So Buffalo is supposed to play against New England and Cincinnati on the oh, same weekend. Oh, that's that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's that, not that work. can't work. But it that's could, not but, but work. it could work if you stagger the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, but no, I don't want to do that. Okay, just play Week 18 as scheduled. Push the playoffs back a week. Have Bengals, Bills, have the lone game, the one game. Uh, you probably make that a Sunday nighter. Right, and then you determine it because this is or the, maybe like, even Monday or because of ESPN. But we, yeah, well, you can do it. Sun, do you it. can do it Sunday night and have ESPN carry it. Whatever you could do that because you're out of contract with and like NBC was not going to host a game that weekend anyway. So well, that's not true because the wild card. Oh my god, I'm getting myself all messed up. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, that's what I would do, and I will say this a hundred percent selfishly. I need them to replay this game for fantasy football purposes. Rightly or because wrongly, you're not alone on that. We there are, are so many people that are hinging that like that. Well, we're again, just we're just in a again, we're, we're just we're we're in a we're in a we're we're stuck in in the desert in you know forty days forty nights you know when when Moses and God's people are stuck in the desert for forty days. That's where we are right now with fantasy football. Because this happened not in week seventeen. This is this was the week where most leagues were playing their championship. Yeah. So a lot of people, it's a big deal. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, just do week 18 as a championship. I'm not doing that because there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to sit their players week 18. Right. And I'm not doing that. So I I don't know what they're going to do. I the, the, the least messy way of doing this is just playing that game somehow. And then you let all the chips fall where they may. So, yeah, it's uh, – They have to proceed that way because the Bengals and the Bills are going to play this this week right. regardless. Look, so, if, this, if this was a game between uh, the – Two teams the, that were not going to the playoffs, right. then you if could this just – this is a, between, a game between Carolina and 
Uh, Houston. Yeah. Just cancel the game. Who cares? Right. This has this this game has so much so many implications for the playoffs that you can't just cancel it. You can't. So I I don't know what they're like. I, even if this was MLB, let's say, and you know teams were, you know, this is a rainout from May that didn't get rescheduled. Right. Like after game one sixty two, and like there's a half game difference between the two. Te- yeah, no, you, you have to play the game. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll see what they do. Uh, I think they got to play the game somehow. I think they have to push the playoffs back. I mean, you have the built-in bye week with the with the second week off before the Super Bowl. You have it there. It's not like they've never done the Super Bowl uh, and the and the conference championship games one week apart. They used to do it every year like that. It's only within like the last decade that they changed it and added the second week, the second bye yeah, week. Somebody at the NFL decided that that was apparently not a good thing. Which yeah, I, I don't they, know. They just want to. They wanted ride more. the hype train for two weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just another another uh, week to be able to hold events and you know do a whole bunch of stuff at the Super Bowl and stuff like that to be able to make more money. That's all it is. Of course, the NFL doesn't make decisions unless they're based on money. Or in this case, like what happened in uh, Buffalo, unless they absolutely have to because of a life or death situation. Right. So, um, well, the bottom line is. That- this weekend, you have football on your television pretty much all the way from Saturday afternoon all the way through Sunday night. Uh, the NFL has staggered the games out quite a bit. In fact, and then don't forget the, the national championship game is on Monday. I meant right the, the national championship between TCU and Georgia. Uh, but this May, I mentioned the Chiefs. They're actually in the first game on Saturday. They're playing at the Raiders. So Ugh. these t- see this is the part I don't like. The Chiefs have a chance to clinch the one seed before the other teams even had a chance to play. Now, well, that that depends. If they announce that they're going to replay that Bills Bengals game, that's not the case. In a world where the Bills Bengals game actually went on as normal, which unless it, unless the Bills lose to the Patriots, she didn't. So it, it does take a little bit of sting out of that whole thing. But like Saturday night, Titans Jaguars AFC South title is on the line, and then Sunday. They pretty much try to keep the divisions playing at the same time, at least, which is good. There's only one exception there, and that is the Sunday night game involving the Lions and the Packers. Yeah. But even that, like, the Lions could be eliminated before that game even kicks off if Seattle beats the Rams. I just don't understand that choice for Sunday night based off of that. It's it's almost like the NFL is, like, hoping that Baker Mayfield, you know, summons that whatever mana he's got going right now and they you know the Rams beat the Seahawks making this a winner take all game between the Lions and the Packers which that would be that would be what the league is hoping for but it yeah. may not get there I I really surprised listen, they didn't put Titans Jaguars Listen last I I I I I love the what the Lions have done uh they're the true Cinderella of the NFL right now I don't see any way they're going into Lambeau and winning I don't either I just, I just, and, and again, it's not like Green Bay's had some magical ride this season. They've gotten hot too, but yeah, Green when, Bay was three and seven, I believe, and they're now eight and eight. Yeah. Before before the playoffs in 2020, and again, that was different because that was COVID. Um, we could say the same thing about the Browns going into Heinz Field in the game of significance and winning. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. Um. So I guess, hey. It, you know the old uh, JP from Angels in the Outfield. It can happen, but I I don't know. I just don't see it. This I don't could, I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing losing to the Lions at home with that much at stake. This could be Green Bay getting the ultimate assist. Uh, this game, which is supposed to be a winner take all game, could end up being a game that ultimately doesn't even matter for the Lions. You know, just because of what happens earlier in the day. Which I mean, just not to harp too much on this point, but to go back it, on. Sorry, go ahead. No. If it were me, all the games would be played at the same time on the final week of the season. Yeah. No, none of this, you get to see what the other teams did before you play, or you have to play and you don't get to see what the other teams did. It's just not right. They should do what MLB and what European soccer does. Last day of the season, everybody plays at the same time. Again, the NFL does not make decisions unless it's based on money. They want people to be watching NFL football on Saturday and Sunday. And Monday, although that doesn't apply in this case. Yeah, not just not just Sunday at one o'clock. 
So that's that's what that's about. Uh, I did want to jump in and say um, now that I like you said that the Kansas City game is the first game on Saturday. The NFL, in my opinion, has to make a decision on whether they're going to replay that Bucks Bill or that Bills uh, Bengals game before Saturday. It has to be made tomorrow or Friday. Right. My opinion, you can't make that determination after Kansas City plays because then Kansas City has a has a reason to to complain because they're gonna they're they're more most likely gonna smoke the the Raiders. And at that point, that game has not been rescheduled yet, so they're going to think they're the one seed. Right. So I think the NFL has to make that determination before Saturday uh, at 1 o'clock. Yeah, they got to do it. And, yeah, like I said, I think they're waiting for good news on DeMar Hamlin. Got a couple more days to wait, but time goes by quickly. Yeah. As we all know, it's, oh, it's 2023 now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So – yeah, that's going to be very interesting. And again, uh, we're talking about all these scenarios as if uh, we're not talking about all these scenarios as if uh, it's more important than the recovery of Demar Hamlin. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the episode, thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Um, you know, hopefully he pulls through and uh, is on the road to recovery. So that is first and foremost before anything else. Yeah. Um, because I I I will say this: there was talk. I don't know if this would actually happen. I, I sincerely doubt it. But there was talk from a lot of people on social media that if he w- if he would have died on that field, that they should have just canceled the rest of the NFL season. You would have had a decent argument for that to just cancel Week 18. Yeah. As grave and as unfortunate thankfully, as thankfully, that would have been. Thankfully, we didn't have to consider that and that those – uh, medical personnel that were there on the field were able to save his life, and hopefully he's able to recover. Um, so we don't have to actually go through that doomsday scenario. But right, um, yeah, that was just what a what a crazy, crazy, crazy thing that happened. So uh, not to uh, oh, before we end the episode, uh, little Scarlet had a birthday. She did. How did that go? It was Scarlett's birthday on Tuesday. It was actually my wife Ren's birthday, birthday as well. On yeah, Monday. Monday. And on Monday, we actually uh, hung out with my parents in Strongsville. We uh, got a really cute cake from Nothing Bunt Cakes, and nice. uh, shout out, and it was amazing. And you know, she had some gifts, and you know, she um, some of her. Um, onesie jammies and uh some books actually because she has a lot of toys as it is yeah so uh no it was it was, it was a good time and we had record high te- almost record high temperatures crazy on on tuesday um literally she's out and, not, and we're just walking she's pushing the little wagon the ra- the radio flyer you, you might have seen on my instagram or anything and honest to god she's just out there like you know she had a long sleeve on because or yeah. wouldn't let me take her out in the short sleeve, but she could have had a short sleeve on. It was that yeah. warm. Yeah, it was 60. You know, the, the debate we were having was, are is she going to, at any point in her life, see a birthday as warm as that? Probably again? not. And Wait, that, so all of you guys have your birthdays in January? Yes. The wow. 2nd, the 3rd, and the 19th. Yeah. And our anniversary is the 18th. Jeez. So, you know. That's a big month. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Spice well, happy birthday up. to Scarlett. Happy birthday to Aren. Yep. And while we're talking about it, Aren, I should uh, shameless plug. Aren is actually going to be starting a consumer products business here within oh, the yeah? next a few weeks. Um, might have more details on that in the coming episode, but uh, that is that's that's coming very soon. Cool. Awesome. Well, there you go. So uh, a, a much more uh, happy note to end this episode. Of living off the land. Viva um, 2023. Absolutely. We it's hope that year. you all had a wonderful New Year's holiday, that everybody, you know, had a good time, stayed safe, and is off in the, and running in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. So that's going to do it for us on this episode, 242 of Living Off the Land. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Thanks for following. Uh, if you're not following us right now on social media, you can at Stiffs McGee and at Daniel J. Ford. And you can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening again. We will see you guys 
for the finale of the postgame show season uh, this weekend on Sunday. And uh, then we'll see you next week. Where hopefully we are not talking about the Steelers in the playoffs again. No. Please not. Bull. Yeah. We will be playing, uh, hopefully be starting that episode with uh, Little McFadden, and, or not McFadden and Whitehead, a little uh, celebration by Casey and the Sunshine Band. And then uh, we will also be saying, Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh! See you, everybody.